0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 20 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Jeremy Vilmer, and now the star of our show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Jeremy,
1: man, it's October, brother. Thanks for having me back to my own show. Of course, I always think, yes, just the way I am, because I feel like it's our show. And like you said, man, can you believe it's episode 20, man, and today... We're going to be talking about the bloodiest matches. I'm going to kind of let you set up the theme for the month if you don't care. But thanks a lot. I'm glad to be back. And welcome all you wrestling fans and just casual fans of the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast.
0: Yeah, this month, um, okay, so people that don't know me out there, I love horror movies. I love scary shit. My grandson's favorite things are skeletons and spiders. So I just love spooky stuff, and it kind of carries throughout the family. October is one of my favorite months of the year. It starts to cool down. Uh, and, you know, Halloween, the girls start dressing trampier, and uh, it's just a funner time of year. With that being said, we're going to have a, a couple different theme, theme changes for this month. We're going to be coming to you from wrestling venues that are also at sites that are famous for other reasons. So, this week, we are coming to you from the Camp Crystal Lake Rec Center in New Jersey. Bobby, I noticed it's a little dusty. It doesn't look like anybody's been here for a while. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently not.
0: Yeah. Those, um... uh... So, the rumor is some kid drowned here in 1958, and then his mom went nuts and killed a bunch of people. And then ever since then, some mass band has been showing up, anybody showing up and killing other people who come to this location. But I'm not a superstitious guy, so I'm not really worried about it.
1: Yeah, we're not too worried about it, man. You know, I, I don't worry so much more about Friday the 13th than I do Saturday the 14th. <laughs> a lot of cleanup on that day <laughs> yeah Friday the 13th series they're out there on crystal lake at the rec center don't go in there man i swear those scary movies i always want to just uh you know yell that kind of stuff out like you know no he's in there and don't, don't run dumbass, Don't you know kind of thing or or whatever but um uh the uh i think that movie kind of was the one that kind of started the whole slasher film of the 80s, if I'm not mistaken, that's one of the earlier ones.
0: It is one of the uh, earlier ones, but what uh, I thought. there's there's three movies that are often credited as starting the slasher craze. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: the first one, I think, was called Black Christmas, but it was real okay. early real early 70s or maybe 1969. Okay. Uh, I might get the name of it wrong. Then, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in right. 1974. Yes, and then Halloween in 1978 is really credited right. as the beginning of the slasher uh, series because all the pieces of the formula fell into place with that one.
1: Yeah, that I thought you was going to mention uh, one for '74 and also uh, Halloween for '78. Texas changed on my I saw that in the back of a damn station wagon, you know, at the drive-in. Um, oh man, yeah. Um, so you know it's one of those things that we got to go to it. It's up there with like, I think they showed like the Boogeyman or something, you know, whatever yeah. it was back there, a Bigfoot thing or something. But yeah, it's one of those double or triple features that the driving. Oh, the kid. it might
0: was it like um, Boggy Creek or? Yes, that yeah.
1: was the one that had the rule. That fucking Sasquatch, I think he's just I think he's just naturally fucking uh, uh, blurry anyway. It's oh, not yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's just a blurry dude. You know, it's not camera. Uh, it's just him. The, yeah, the first one you said was uh, what was that one?
0: The uh, it was one of the first. It's one of those evil Santas, and I'm hoping I oh, got the okay. name right. It's Black Christmas, and it's where you know a guy dressed as Santa is like stalking people in a house.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um,
0: apparently, originally Halloween was was pitched to be a sequel to it, and then they went in a different direction.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool. But those are well, maybe we'll talk about that later this month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we're gonna we've we've kicked some good ideas around and. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned all those, and I'll have to check that one out, man. So we're coming from the Crystal Lake Rec Center, man. Hells far. What if we'll draw a crowd? Do people will be too scared to fucking show up out yeah. there, probably?
0: <laughs> I don't even think the cleaning service shows up. I'm pretty sure I saw a head in the bathroom, so. Oh,
1: man. You're doomed. You're all doomed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, Bobby. So we're going to talk about yeah. uh, 10 of the bloodiest matches in pro wrestling history. But before we get to that, is there any shout-outs or anything? you want to do this week
1: yes i've got one um, i could probably go on for about three or four weeks we talked about several people prior to going on air but uh, i'm gonna send my one shout out to uh the good people over there at saturday with uh chicken duck podcast i was a guest on there this past week uh, patreon members can get it today and tomorrow and then it comes out saturday for free on the uh, it's um, it's saturday with chicken duck and uh, they had a real good crew and we had a good little they give me a little platform to talk on and get our podcast out there, get my books out there and just talk about my career. You know, what not real they were familiar with me, but not, you know, all the things we've talked about on here. So um kind of filled everyone in, hit a different crowd, hopefully, and that's that's good for business, I hope. Yeah, good, so, good. I, I was glad to be on it. And um I know you're over there on a the geekish cast still on your podcast, so yep. that's good. Give them it, both a plug.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, and while we're doing that, I want to remind everybody, and I'll do this again when we do the countdown, but you can get Bobby's book, Pin Me, Pay Me, by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And you can get his other one, I Kicked Out On To, The Educational Wrestler, by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. And Bobby, if yep. people want to find us on Twitter, where can they look?
1: yep you can find jeremy at the geekish cast dot shit start to say dot com you can <laughs> but yeah on twitter he's at the geekish i'm sitting there looking at my computer uh quit reading your computer bob and just go with what you know uh the geekish cast and that's on twitter and then you can find me on twitter at bobbyblaze 744 or you can find us both under a joint account and i want to take my hat off and i do have one on to jeremy because he runs that page and he's got over 13 we have over 1300 people but He's the one that does all the adding and and people coming on, man. It's really, really great. But it's called the Bell, it's Bell to Bell Blaze. And it's on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. And we've got a lot of reaction this week, it seemed like. And when Jeremy responds, of course, he puts a J. Lottery times I just respond from my own um, Bobby Blaze 744. But if I do, you know do it off the page. I just put, you know, Bobby, of course, or I put a B actually. But um, yeah, so Jeremy, thanks so much for running that. Again, Jeremy can be found at the Geekish Cast. I could be found at Bobby Blaze seven forty four. Or follow our joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze and that's our podcast page.
0: All right. Well, that being said, everybody, if you're listening, you like what you hear, please give us all a listen or all a uh, like and a follow on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You just go on there and search for bell to bell with Bobby blaze. We have a group and a page. You can like one and join the other. Um, and that being said, I wanted to do a quick news update because I found something to be uh, really cool going on right now in the world of wrestling that I haven't really kept up with for a long time because I was so bored of it. Uh, Cody Rhodes is now the NWA World Champion, the IWGP US Champion, and one third of the ROH Six Man Tag Champions.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah, and so, you're you're stoking you're stoking my interest in it too, man. That's the thing, Jeremy. I can just from the time we've started talking, and what a little bit over a year and a half ago, maybe. Yeah, and, right about. And, yeah, and uh, our interest. I've, I've noticed it in him, and and he's really turned me on to it. I've. I've I know we talk about a lot of old school wrestling and stuff, but Jeremy does keep up and he keeps me up with a lot of stuff that's going on out there and it keeps our fans, you know, let them know hey, we're still professional wrestling fans but but, but uh, this NWA man, it's kind of really got me interested again like Jeremy says, the first pay-per-view you bought here in 20 odd years or whatever and um, that's great, man, because we, we, we talk about pro wrestling and uh, I think it's on the upswing again, man, and good for Cody and good for the NWA and uh, uh, I did see the what was it? The uh, IWGA? Is
0: IWGP, say? yeah. The, GP, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, seemed like I saw a tweet or two about that. Also, I know they've got the uh, NWA 70th anniversary show coming up, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've been reading a little bit about that.
0: Yep, I think believe. Think that's
1: later this month, correct? I believe
0: that's the third weekend of the month in Nashville, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, I think you're correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, they're going to
0: they're going to crown a new NWA national champion that night too.
1: Okay, that's, that's what you, talk talking about that bit of, that the second title to unfold? Uh, yes. Okay. So good apparently,
0: good apparently good their plan is to have a world title, a national title, a world tag team, and a women's uh, championship. It, okay. The, shortly is kind of their plan. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really yeah. interested to see how they roll all this out because they don't have a home promotion. Yeah, they literally have titles that are traveling but don't have a home promotion. So I'm interested to see how this is all going to work, especially since these guys all belong to other wrestling yeah. promotions and have access to competing for these titles.
1: It's going to be interesting. Well, maybe that's the trend. Maybe that's you know that that may just very well be their goal. You know, maybe they're not going to have a. Home base per se, but having yeah. the traveling traveling champions. You know, they just go and well. You see, you mentioned Ring Ring of Honor and uh, uh, what did you say, Japan. Um, yep, New Japan? They did that show here um, as well. So, uh, what they did they did a West Coast swing. What two years ago or was that last year? I
0: think it was last year and last maybe year. The, and maybe the year before. But it was they had enough. New Japan got enough interest that they released a U.S. title.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Good I mean, deal, man. yeah, and so you know, there was a time, Bobby, and we'll we'll get on to the topic here in a second. There yeah. was a time when you brought a wrestler into your territory to bring people into the building, mm-hmm. and and putting these titles on these guys and letting them go from promotion to promotion with them. We're going to see more of that, is my feeling, instead of just WWE comes to your territory and you watch John Cena versus Triple H, yeah, right, again. Or Again. whatever, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see some guys that get to not not have to sign a long-term one-person contract, get to travel around, make some money, and uh, I'm hopeful for the first time as a wrestling fan uh, since the mid-90s. Is that's all awesome I have to say, hear,
1: yeah. That's right, yeah. That's, all right. Uh, let's get on for our podcast here, our topic and it's going to be the bloodiest matches. Our yep. top ten bloodiest matches. And with that said, let me just say this before we get into it, and I'll let Jeremy uh start us off. The guys, you know, we're glad you're listening to the podcast, and we we Jeremy can kind of explain the process. he used the term trading horses. Uh that's kind of what we do. We have a list of guys, and, and I'll let him go to more detail about that. But here's what I want to say. That is, um, these are all professional matches. This is not any of the, uh, trash can garbage matches or, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about some of the guys that just go out there and it's hardcore type matches where there's just a bloodbath for the sake of saying, you know what, we're going to have a bloodbath kind of thing. And that's, um, and the people that, you know, we push it All the people that's, you know, hit the BB, BB hashtag and send us in their suggestions. With that said, I I think I'm speaking from Jeremy and myself, we're not historians, we're wrestling fans. So we got down to our 10 on our list, and we hope you enjoy that. And I'll let Jeremy come explain that to you a little bit more in detail, and then we'll start with number 10. How's that, Jeremy?
0: Yeah, that's so fine. We do I mean, a process is what I'm getting at. Yeah, so anytime, and I, I covered this last week a little bit, and I'll just, I'll just quickly wrap it up again, yes. but what happens is once we choose a topic, whether it's a wrestler or a type of whatever, Bobby and I start throwing names at each other. And then we start doing the, well, I can live without this guy. If you want that guy, I'll take him off my list. And what we do is we get down to, we go from about 20 Mm -hmm. to 12 to 14. And that's when we get to the brass tacks. Like I can live without this guy. And then you might like, I'll say I can do without this guy. And then you might go, well, you know what? Hold on. Because while this guy's my favorite, your guy would work in this one better or your yeah. whatever. And that's so we true. do that till we get 10. And then we do it again where we take our 10 and go, who should be number 10, who should be number one? And then we start filling in the centers. Then we get that list. And then one more time we go through, I think nine and eight should switch, whatever. Yeah. And then that's how we get to our 10. Yeah. Um This week we have, like Bobby said, we've always got a few caveats to how we do this. These are 10 of our favorite bloodiest matches. They may not be the bloodiest matches ever in history because, honestly, you could just say, uh, CZW, XPW, FMW, and ECW, pick any ten matches, there you go, yeah. uh, and we're done. What we've tried to do is take wrestling matches where blood was used to tell a story rather than bloody matches where wrestling is incidental. Now that that's being said, there's a couple. Yeah, and that being said, there's a couple in here where we're gonna look and go, hey, nobody used a you know a figure four or <laughs> anything more technical than a headlock during this whole yeah. match. But that's kind of how we approached it. Thank you everybody who threw out your uh, choices for bloodiest matches, and I'm sure we will probably revisit this in a different form again. With that being said, Bobby, I'm gonna go to number ten. Okay. Which is the War Games, nineteen eighty seven,
1: the Horsemen oh, okay.
0: versus the Superpowers.
1: Wow! Yeah, what a great opener right there, man. War Games eighty seven. Yeah. So we had who had the Horsemen. So you got four there. Then we had who had the Superpowers. Is that what you called them? Yep. Well, who so
0: was? the Horsemen Dusty it was. And, well, the Horseman was with Luger and J.J. Dillon came with yeah, him. Yeah, so I was, saw Dillon. Yep, five on that side. Um, the Superpowers and I think. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm hoping I'm not spoiling anything for anybody, but first the Road Warriors <laughs> come out. It was fucking 40 years ago, so, you know. Yeah. Um, if you, if you haven't 30. seen it
1: by now, yeah. I I, the great anything about this? I get to go back, and it, when, when they're available, we see the footage of this stuff, and that's, that's really awesome.
0: Yeah. So, um, But I think this was right after Magnum was injured. So the Road Warriors come out with Dusty, and then mm-hmm. Nikita Koloff comes out for yes. his first face position with them, And the yep. crowd went fucking bonkers. So
1: that That'll, was really and, cool. And lots of blood. Lots of blood. There
0: was blood within the first five minutes of the match. Um, JJ Dillon was bleeding so bad by the end of the match that it
1: had an anticlimax because they had to get him out of the, <laughs> the ring. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, that's a good. Anything else, it? Because I think that's a great number ten to open up with. If you're just looking, for, that was a good match to open up with. Uh, War Games '87. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a solid one to start from. Okay, of course, that was 1987. (laughs) Yes, sir. That was not the 87th
0: War Games.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's going to take us to number nine. Um, And this one here happened in 1979 in Tupelo, Mississippi. Jeremy, you know where Tupelo's at?
0: I know the king is from Tupelo.
1: Well, it's right below one below. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, beer all week, folks. Uh, no, and <laughs> two below Mississippi, man, the concession stand brawl. This was an early onset uh, match. It was just Lawler and Dundee was in the ring against the Moondogs. Lance Russell, you know, calling the action there at the old Memphis, you know, wrestling. The And, well, no, man, maybe whatever's on the air, you know, whatever you can see on YouTube now, it's, it's on there, but there's, at some point, the the boondogs go over, spoiler alert, for you people still living in 1978, this happened in 1979, so uh, the, the, the thing about, I want to say about this before I get some of the details of the matches, we, we talked a little bit off air, and I said I was going to say something, and that's this. I've kind of touched on this before. There's a lot of times in your mind things didn't happen like you remember them happen, like you wanted them to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And I found this out on um, the uh, when I was doing research in my book. I was checking a couple of things. I actually did some fact check- checking. I knew this was around 78 or 79, but what I remembered about this in my mind was <clears> – <throat> I had to go back and correct myself, because it's Lawler and Dundee against the Moondogs with Lance Russell. So there's your setup. They're in the ring wrestling, and the Moondogs go over, and then Lawler and Dundee take the belts from them and start gimmicking them. Boom, boom, boom. So they got a little bit of color. I think Dundee does for sure. And then they start taking it out, and Lance is kind of like cutting away from the air. And you think the show is going off because it's a blank string for a couple seconds. You know, there's... uh, whether it be dead air on the radio or dead on TV, you know, that's a long time sometimes, but mm-hmm. you can hear Lance talking. And what, before I get to the concession stand brawl, what I remembered in my head was that happening and going to school on Monday and talking about, did you see that? Did you see that? But then I looked at the date, and I think it happened in early June, which means school would have probably been out. So it had to be when the guys got together. I was telling another guy this. This is my recollection. So we had to either went to the pool or the basketball court or wherever we was at hanging out at because school would have been out, and that's where me and my buddies would have talked about it. Does that make sense? But in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, we got up and went to school on Monday, and that was what everyone was fucking talking about, kind of like the old water cooler, you know. But but where it happened in June of 79, school would have been out. So we probably got together, you know, had a friend's playing basketball at the pool or whatever. But fuck, did we talk about that thing, you know, for weeks, you know. And at that time, I was uh, uh, going on 16 years old, and, you know, still, well, obviously a wrestling fan, and, and some of the guys were older. They would love, I mean, it was loved. it's just crazy. But they go off the air, or you think they are, and they go down, and there's Lawler and Dundee in a concession stand um, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and they're they're. Throwing mustard at each other, fucking hot dogs. And I think they broke everything in there except for the popcorn machine. I think that's one of the things. You're, you don't touch the fucking popcorn machine is what the promoter said, if I'm not mistaken, from, <laughs> from listening to other podcasts and, and, and you know watching YouTube, et cetera. But, yeah, so number nine, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch this from 1979. It's the two below Mississippi concession stand brawl with Lawler and Dundee versus the Moondogs. So.
0: That is one of those matches that lives in a legend. Um, yes. You, you know, when I was younger, obviously it had been a few years gone by. That was a match that people still talked about. And every time you see people fight with paper cups and mustard (laughs) bottles and stuff like that, this is the match that they're trying to go back to. This is their callback point. This is the touchstone. Of uh, food fights in pro wrestling. <laughs> Here you go. And it, you're right. I mean, these guys these guys got blood on them before they got back there, and then everybody just kind of went batshit crazy and started hitting each other with anything that wasn't nailed down.
1: Yep. yeah. That's a good number nine. That's and as, as you can see, the other the other matches from War Games that was that was an angle leading up to. That specific pay per view for the war games. This one here started off in and blood. You know, you you pretty much knew at some point in war games, someone would probably bleed, but that was that was a match to not necessarily to bleed, but to 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 keep the guys in the cage. It's Fucking war game, you know the war. Yeah. This one here is where we're kind of going to is the guy started in the ring that's having a wrestling match and it escalated to a fucking bra where blood became involved. And that's why it comes in at number nine. And I know you've got a really good one at number eight. I'm going to let you lead us into number eight. And yeah, I like num- this.
0: One. Yeah, number eight is from 2004, Judgment Day. Eddie Guerrero versus uh, JBL. And this is a point in wrestling or sports entertainment, since we're talking specifically.
1: Oh, I. I ah.
0: Well, I'm just Stop. trying to give it context. Just trying okay, to give it context.
1: Well, because let, me, let me get a Casey King fucking shout out there for Casey, because he's always talking about, I'm young, I love pro wrestling, I love, and I'm not saying it was fucking dirty words, Casey. But Jeremy just now said them. It's from 2004, Eddie Guerrero, JBL, Judgment Day, takeover, Jeremy. Yeah, well,
0: not a (laughs) a period with tons of blood after Vince won all the wars and was the only promoter left standing. Um, JBL blasts Eddie with a chair. And the next thing you know, Eddie Guerrero looks like a stuck fucking pig. Uh There was so much blood in this match. I mean... Honestly, if you were to do just just a match by the amount of blood in it, this would be really high on the list. Um, it was just because Eddie accidentally clipped an artery in his forehead, and so a little what should have been a little bit of blood. And Bobby, I'm sure you can expand on this a little bit. What should have been enough blood to paint half his face became enough <laughs> to soak the ring in two whole men.
1: So, uh, yeah, man, that's I, I had to. You sent me a list there that had—I'm um, sure several people saw several different lists, and and that was on about all of them. And it had yeah. some highlights from the match, just the pictures of it. And I was like, golly, he's covered. And I was still watching back then too, so I'm, I'm not sitting there claiming I sit there and watch that particular pay per view or whatever. But I but I was familiar with that when you wrote me. I was like, Oh man, that's that was fucking bloody. Yeah, when you sometimes that gig, man, especially he got an artery. And um, you know, it's no secret. Uh, I, I people talk about, oh, I know you guys use blood capsules or this, and that, you know, or something like that. Those days are long gone because the business has been so exposed now. It's, you know, there's, there's, you can get a hard way, of course, and that's Eddie probably went to, you know, just get the uh, the gimmick there in the right spot, and you know, hand slipped or moved or, or you know, the the gimmick hit him, and boom, you slice an artery, man. And you're already out there. That's the thing about, you know, juicing in a match. You're already out there, man. You're sweating, especially Mm -hmm. the blonde-haired guys. Well, I know Eddie's dark hair. I'm going to say, like, uh, some of the guys, you know, we are gonna talk about on our list here. Man, that sweat gets going, and that blood, and your blood pressure's up because you're out there working out. It's like, you know, excruciating exercise, man. And, um, you know, you can – that blood is just going to pump out of your head, uh, especially if you hit an artery. But, you know, that's the other thing is, like – the excitement, you know, you're so excited to be out to perform and for, you know, these thousands, millions of fans on that stage. And um, depends on a building, you know, building's hot and sweaty, too, uh, adds to it. Uh, the smearing without trying to, to sound gross or whatever. I mean, you know, you go grab a guy in a headlock, it's, you, know, he, you got it all over the other guy's side. and He's sweating now, now it's on his chest. I mean, it's just, like you said, enough to cover Two men in the fucking ring. That's a lot of fucking blood.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And if you... Look, I mean, I I have a shaved head. I've cut myself on the head accidentally, and I'm talking tiny nicks. Yeah. That bled forever. And if you get out on a hot day and you've got even like a bump that might open and you got sweat and blood, it just goes everywhere. Yeah. And that's one of those things you see in this match. Every time he turns his head, blood splatters in one direction or another. (sighs) It it was a seriously bloody match. And uh, definitely... (laughs) <laughs> deserves to be on any bloody match list.
1: Yeah. And you know the thing about that you mentioned a little bit earlier sometimes the middle of this list is the hardest part when we start getting down to because Eddie and uh, JBL this match could have been you know seven or six or maybe as high as five. It just depends. If you went on blood alone it may have went higher on someone else's list. It's just number eight on our list man. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's just the way it came in. Uh, but with the amount of blood like you said it could have been a lot higher. Uh the uh, number seven, let's go to number seven, that was Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik from 1984, and I think it was a boot camp match, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, you are correct, it was yes. a boot camp match, going um, going along with Sergeant Slaughter's uh, all-American look and military background, it was boot camp. Um, they had a few of these matches, I understand it, but this the last one, I believe, was in June of 84. Yes. Yes. And I, it's hard to find. I mean, if you get out there and dig around, you'll find it. But it ends up with just shit covering the ring and blood everywhere. Yeah. With weapons and garbage and blood. And um, for those those of you who are too young to remember, it 1984 was just five years after Iran had uh, had a revolution and become one of our major, major enemies, held our people hostage, our uh, ambassadors yeah. hostage. It was a hated, hated time back then for, for Iranian people. Um, you know, Sheik was a great foreign menace. He kind of a madman. Uh, the, the only words you ever really hear him say to anybody these days are, Fuck you, Bubba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: fucking jump on you. I'll tell you. No. Yeah. But, yeah, that match. The thing I remember is, um, and I'm not claiming I sit here and watch this back in 1984, but thereabouts... There was there was a couple of these matches. The one I saw was from Landover, Maryland, and what I what I I knew I had seen either I won't say this particular match, but one of the boot camp matches, or at least a match between Slaughter, uh, Slaughter and Iron Sheik, and that is this. Um, not in person. I saw. I saw in '85. I saw Slaughter uh, twice in person. Once for the NWA and once for the WWF at the time. Uh, those were both in Baltimore. But when I was going to a fist match, I saw um, in '84 when I here we got. It was on Daily Motion and also YouTube, so there are clips of it out there. But but here's remember what I was talking about earlier in your mind. One of them actually had the beginning of sergeant slaughter's interview and he talks about the usa network and that's the thing in 1984 when i was going to school uh the cable company there we didn't have an ashland yet uh, but where I went off to school at had the uh, USA Network and their cable package. And that's when I really started getting to see a whole lot of the WWF at the time. Uh, right around uh, May, June, July of 84, uh, because of where I was at school at, um, and I worked in the summer there, they had that uh, USA Network as part of their cable package. And so um, I remember seeing, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, or my, my buddy, my best friend growing up, he's still my best friend to this day, um, he was a huge Sergeant Slaughter fan. And uh, I took him backstage one time to the WWF up here, and uh, Sergeant Slaughter spoke to him. And he—he's uh, a grown man; he's thirty years old, thirty-two at the time or something. He popped big time, man. That Sergeant Slaughter, you know, spoke to him. My buddy's a real big old guy, and I think they thought he was there to work or whip someone's ass. I don't know which, but uh, but yeah, he popped for fucking Sergeant Slaughter. But yeah, um, anyway, see, I go off on a fucking tangent. But that was number seven, the boot camp match between Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik. Um I'll quit rambling, Jeremy. Go ahead. No, no, Tell it's, us about number six. <laughs> it's quite all right. So yeah.
0: we've, we've talked a little bit about this one before. But number six yep. is Roddy Piper versus Greg the Hammer Valentine, 1983 Starcade dog collar match. Man. This is another one of those matches that lives in infamy. It, it was a legend that, you know, a lot of people didn't see it. But if you got a wrestling magazine, you always read about it. Your uncle yeah. talked about it. Um, you know, he knew somebody who was there and got covered with blood at the, you know, the edge of the, at the edge of the ring. Um, this match is just fucking brutal. Yeah. It's just brutal. And it's a little bit different than that usually when a wrestler gets opened up, it's on the forehead or the top of the head. This one was a little different, wasn't it, Bobby?
1: Yes, Uh, and I'm the one that had that uncle that that had the, uh, I saw this on a magazine, and I'm that same guy. You know, I saw in a magazine, the same thing you said, man. Uh, Just read about it, and then you heard about it because someone was there and this and that. But what happened, I guess, of course, we didn't know at the time, but like you said, instead of gigging on the head, man, I guess when... um, uh, I just saw about I don't know the last couple of weeks, honestly. uh Greg the Hammer Valentine doing a shoot interview, and I guess he hit him with the chain on the ear, and I guess his ear just exploded as far as the cartilage. Is that correct?
0: Mm, that's uh, that's the way uh, I understand it, it. Up
1: the very top of it, I guess it pinched. Uh, either bashed his ear into his skull and it bled, or the chain, you know, hit it just the right angle to where it bust that cartilage in his ear, and they just went with it. You know, they're two tough, some of bitches anyway. And I guess I don't, I wasn't in the ring, like I said, but I would imagine, because I've had, kicked the eye before and got a black eye and, and soon I turn out and said, hit me and go down and come up and sell it and you know it's right there and I imagine Piper being as tough as he was and Hammer just being relentless as he was to the heel in that particular match they both kind of were but p- Valentine more so that's really how you you know turn someone too and uh, when he hit him with that chain of ear I guess it just really fucking exploded according to Valentine and the blood was fucking everywhere and I don't know how their necks even took that you know oh, my god, god man no, that was a knows? brutal fucking match once you know we got older and we you got to go back and see it. Uh, I, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" I had a buddy of mine get ready to do a go- dog collar match, and this has been several years ago. And, and he brought me that one, and um, just kind of we watched it, and he was just kind of getting my input. And I was like, "Holy shit, man!" So I had up until now, you know, recently I hadn't seen it for several years, but it's one of those things, like you said, man. It just lives in the infamy, man. Uh, the because uh, you saw it was iconic when a magazine covers or in the magazines or wherever you first saw it or heard about it at
0: yeah so. it was just it was legendary uh, you know i yeah. interviewed i interviewed an indie wrestler for geeks cast a little while back robbie vegas yes good and, guy it seems like yeah and i was i was when i was talking to him i was saying stuff like you know as i've gotten older climbing a ladder seems scary to me you know and, and <laughs> I'm right there with you. yeah
1: I'm laughing at you i'm laughing with you oh please. no no, no, no. <laughs> and, and when i watch saying?
0: yeah and when <laughs> i watch wrestling matches i look at everything and go Those that's like all ladders. That's like a room full. I don't want to do any of that shit that they're doing. And the idea being like, look, if I were to slip and fall right now, I'd have to lay on the ground for a minute before getting up. You know, and when you look at two guys jerking each other around by a dog collar on the neck. Yeah, I I can't even imagine the pain and frustration, and irritation that would be following me for two or three days
1: after that. A week, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in my case, a fucking lifetime. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: that's oh, you guys. You guys, the amount of abuse you do to your bodies is just stupefying to me. You know. Man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we've talked about that match before and it comes in at a strong number six. Of course, it could have been higher. But, uh, you know, on this list here, I think we're getting ready to go into the top five. And we hope you liked uh, 10 through six. And I'm going to rewind real quick. Number 10 was Star Wars 87. Number nine, the two below Mississippi concession stand brawl. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and JBL from the Judgment Day 2004, Sergeant Slaughter versus Iron Sheik in a boot camp match from June of 84, and just now the Roddy Piper match against Greg the Hammer Valentine in a dog collar match from 1983. And I think we're going to jump a couple years ahead, and you're going to bring us number five, because this has one of your main men involved in it. Yes,
0: it does. And before we do that, everybody, want to remind you, you can get Bobby's books, Pin Me, Pay Me, by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook one and his other book, I kicked out on two, the education of a wrestler, by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook two. And with that being said, we go to number five, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard, in a cage I quit match at Starcade nineteen
1: eighty-five. <sighs> Man, tell us about because I, I, I didn't get I didn't find footage from this. I,
0: oh, this was just one of the nasty. Ones I
1: did not. I, I went and tried to watch as much as I could from the list that you sent, also from the things I had already written down from memory. I did my first five from like memory, and then I started going. And then we had several people write in. I went through some of those matches. I didn't go to this match, and I don't know why. I have no excuse, so I'm not prepared for it. I'm just not going to bullshit my way around it. Um, so please, I'm gonna let you take over this whole. Um, I hate to put the weight on your shoulders, oh, bro, no, but I'm no. putting the weight on your shoulders. No, no uh, problem I just at did all. My, I did not do my homework on this match, and I should have. Uh, yeah, this 50, was fourth day I could have, but I didn't.
0: Yeah, this was a nasty one. Um If there was a lot of wrestling in there, it ended after a minute or two and just became them just beating on each other. Broken chairs got involved. They were both covered in blood. Uh, There does come a point where after Magnum has already won, he picks up a piece of the broken chair and continues to gouge uh, totally with it before just grabbing his belt and leaving. I mean, it was just nasty looking. Right on. Um, I mean, it's bloody, but the brutality of the match itself... There would be no way to make something look this nasty without yeah. them bleeding like pigs. Um, and I wanted to bring up something real quick. So, Tully Blanchard's dad was Joe Blanchard, who ran a wrestling federation in South Texas, I believe. Uh, Bobby, what was the name of that one? Do you remember?
1: Oh, shit. Um, I, think, I was say Southwestern, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was Southwestern, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. When you said that, I was like, wait a minute, are you trying to trick me? Um, you know what? I think it was Southwestern, if I'm not mistaken. So... So Joe
0: Blanchard's show actually had the time slot on USA that the WWF event. Yes.
1: Got. Yes. I, I swear. i watched a, um, there's a really good match. It's Dory fuck jr. And Dickie Slater. And I want to, and I watched that on YouTube, but I want to say that it was called Southwestern. I don't want to have to pull it up during the middle of the podcast, but yeah, I, I know, I know what, where you're going. Uh, but that's, Anyway, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. I was going to say. I just so, want to say, I think it's southwestern. Shit, yeah, I Bobby. think I
0: think you're right. <laughs> I, I should have looked at this because normally yeah, I could I have, have told have to you. And all ahead. of a sudden, I'm
1: blanking. But
0: yeah. apparently, in the early days or the those days when uh, Joe Blanchard had that time slot on USA, they would often cut away from the show early because it got too gritty and um, I think uh, totally might have learned something there but definitely Southern Wrestling had the edge on everybody when just making a match feel real and gritty and brutal and this one did it to a five star standard
1: yeah I'm going to have to go back and watch this particular match because I know what both these guys are just tremendous workers wrestlers uh, both have had a uh, from my understanding, really good, you know, amateur backgrounds uh, as far as football players, as far as wrestlers, and those type. When you got two athletes like that, I don't see how they could not have had a good match. And, oh yeah, and be a five star match. And so, with that said, that's the thing is I off this list, I can go back even as a fan myself now and have something to look forward to one evening and say, so, you know, I'm going to try to find that match and and I've got uh, two big disc full of uh, fucking matches I haven't watched forever. I may even have that match on there for all I know, but uh, I'll I'll find it and watch it, man.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. It's worth watching. Also, Bobby, I know you didn't watch All In. But there was a women's match where Tessa Blanchard came down. It was a yeah. four way. When she comes to the ring, both Tully and Magnum are standing in the aisle as she comes in.
1: Oh man, really? I'm getting yeah. chills, man. No, it was pretty yeah. cool. It was pretty. I know cool. she's very, very talented. I, a local promoter here told me he may be trying to bring her in. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But um, I, if, if so, I'll. It's about 45 minutes away. I'll definitely try to make it oh, just yeah. to see her in person, because wow. I've seen some of her footage. She looks tremendous, Oh, man. she is, and she is just
0: as much of a shitty little heel <laughs> as her dad was. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I'll mark you know, out for her. Yeah. Like the hell, oh, you know? yeah. I, you know what? Honestly, I'd watch her read a phone book if she could carry that much <laughs> attitude through it. Um, and also, because she's kind of hot, too. But yeah. she is just, the way she comes to the ring and everything, she is just like... Uh, Cocky heel all over. It's yeah. fucking amazing to watch. I'm, I'm awesome, pretty man. pretty awesome. stoked about that. But that yeah. was Magnum versus uh, uh, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard at Starcade in 1985. And we're yes. gonna go to number four. I'm gonna let you intro this one, buddy.
1: Yep. I'm gonna intro it as you can, and then I'll let you give the, the specifics. How's that? Mm-hmm. But you can go on this one here, and you could probably find it, and we could probably do a top ten on either of these guys individually. Mm-hmm. But it's the Original Sheik versus Abdullah the Butcher, and you can probably go to any Abdullah the Butcher match, and you know it's going to be fucking a blood fest out there, but you can go to any match with the Sheik, and there's probably going to be a blood fest out there. At least one guy is going to bleed. And in this incident, you can go to any of them, Google, YouTube, whatever you do to, to get your, whether you got stuff on home or whatever, home video or whatever. Get it out, man, because you can go to any match, but the main one... These two, both of these guys bleed. And, Jeremy, I think you got a specific match that you want to talk about.
0: So, Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because um, I still need to dig into it a little bit more. Because as I was trying to find the bloodiest match between the Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher, yeah. the one date I kept coming back to, or the one, one show, was December 1st, 1980 in Japan. Okay. And so apparently this and, and you gotta remember Japan was about twenty years ahead of everybody in garbage blood wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I'm not using garbage as a pejorative, I'm using it as a descriptor that when a match is just bloody and fucking gross, yeah, it falls into that category. You know, one of the rumors about the Sheik was he used to keep little zip tip razors taped to his fingers. Now his son has denied this. But when you watch his matches, it makes sense that he could just zip somebody at any point, and that was that. Abdullah, um, you know, as much as I disagree with a lot of what he did, like working with hepatitis and not telling anybody, um, that man put it all in the ring every time he went in. And When you got these two guys together, it was just a bloodbath, and you could tell that people were just getting sliced open, Every which way. And so apparently, though, the one to look for if you really want to see the bloody match between the Sheik and Abdullah is December 1st, 1980. How old would the Sheik have been in
1: 1980? Oh, man. I I don't even know. <laughs> he started in the 50s, right? Yeah, he started yeah. in the 50s. Uh, he'd have been up there, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He wrestled up through the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, seemed like he did. Uh, the thing about, the, I remember about these matches... Is the Sheik supposedly had a pencil? That's what he used with a fucking pencil. Or we all thought we saw a pencil and he was stabbing someone in the head or whatever. And then Abby, of course, was known for that fork. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. I, I I've got a picture. I'm gonna have to find it of me and Abby sitting together holding some belts from over in Ohio for Bobby Fulton's promotion way back in the day. And um, man, just uh, I don't necessarily agree with some of it. Like you said, out there doing some of the stuff he done. But the the night I saw him, I'm going to kind of do a segue here for this next match. Bobby Fulton had him up for like a three-day run, and like the first night in, the It was him and uh, Cactus Jack in a main event. And this was about 93, maybe 94. And I remember Bobby coming into the locker room, the heel Locker Room, and saying, uh, he has been on kfave Fave anyway, but he said, uh, hey, hey Abby, listen, man, I need you to do me a favor. We was in a school in Maysville, Kentucky. I never will forget that. And I did not team with Abby. I actually did a singles, and also I teamed with Rip Rogers, my good friend out there, man. Learned so much from the hustler. But uh, Bobby was always, like I said, we talked about before, he was underrated at Captain Nervous. But he told Abdul, he goes, Hey, uh, the principal of his school, uh, don't want you going out into the hall or doing anything in the, um, uh, outside the rings, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But as soon as fucking the door opened, cause Abby said, Watch this. And man, Jack was coming the other way and Abby was coming, and they met in the hall. That's I, I don't think Bobby said, don't wrestle in the hall. But they met in the hall and started brawling and they busted through a gate. That that had the uh, soda machines blocked where you couldn't buy the snacks you know that they sell at school because they wanted you to buy the concession stands and they went right to the gimmick table right where uh, Bobby Fulton had all his T-shirts and pictures and they went right to Bobby's table smashed it they they were both bleeding, and I know it's not the Sheik, but it was his cactus jacket. It's going to be one of our next ones. But them two fucking was bleeding and wrestling outside or fighting outside of the ring before they even rolled in the ring. By the time they rolled in, Bobby was already ringing a fucking bell. It was just too <laughs> funny to be one of the boys sitting there watching that because how the hell are you going to tell either one of those guys uh, you know, to not <laughs> battle outside the ring and not to get juice, you know. But So number five was, or excuse me, number four was the original Sheik versus Abby. And, of course, I told you little Abby's story, and that's going to lead to the guy he was working that match. Um, and that is from 1995, the final of the King of the Death matches, uh, Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk over in Japan. With the exploding barbed wire, Jeremy.
0: Yeah. So this is literally the only exception we made for this kind of match. The the ring was wrapped in barbed wire. They had C4 Ah. that went off at 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) Okay, so Terry Funk is a legend of hardcore, and he earned that title, I believe, at the age of 48. So (laughs) an age most people would have retired from his generation. Cactus Jack obviously is Mick Foley and Cactus Jack bang bang was just yep. a fucking lunatic and these two guys i think had some kind of death wish every time they wrestled i don't I, so. I don't know any other way to explain it they were willing to wrap their heads in barbed wire and and get it blown up all for the fans watching i uh, they got soaked in blood i mean terry was terry learned how to do a moonsault at 50 years old yeah this match is, you can find it. Um, I've, the ones I found had Japanese commentary. I don't know if anybody's ever laid down an American English track for it. It is worth watching. It is kind of disgusting.
1: Yeah. I don't know if, uh, if they were, if it was this particular match, but I know the, uh, insane clown posse, I guess, they voiced over some Terry Funk and, uh, Cactus Jack, the Cactus Sack and matches. And, uh, from my understanding, uh, Cactus Jack approached them as did, uh, Terry Funk and they got some royalties off of that because they apparently went behind <laughs> and had this. Uh, DVD they put out. They fucking just voiced over that fucking... You talk about infringement, man, and copyright, you know. Oh, but yeah. But I guess it was selling, you know, all these fucking shows they do or whatever. But, um, I, again, I'm pretty sure that this was one of the matches that they used on there. One of the things I remember was um, I didn't go to Japan until '97. And of course, I don't read Japanese, but I can see the pictures. And they got these wonderful, wonderful pictures in all the Japanese magazines. And and I used to bring them home with me. One of the magazines while I was on a tour. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of like a two-year anniversary, because we're, we're saying this match was in 95. I don't know if it was, a, like I said, I can't read Japanese. I don't know if it's for, you know, another promotion or if Cactus Jack or Terry Funk was coming over for another promotion or what the case was. But uh, there were some pictures in one of the magazines from Japan I got to see. And I was over for the first time like April of 97, then again in July of 97 for three to six weeks each time. I think the first time was three, the second time was six. So during one of those tours in '97, someone had a mag. Hell, it could have been a magazine from '95, you know, 'cause I'm no other fucking Terry Funk fan. I don't know. Again, I don't read Japanese. I could read a number of someone, you know, if it's you know printed properly. But uh, I did remember, do recall seeing some of the pictures in a magazine. Um, although I didn't see the match, of course, till years later, like many people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But
1: that is our number three, man. Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack or Mick Foley, Mankind, whatever you want to call him. I don't think the mankind gimmick uh, is. I don't think many people bring it up too much. Most refer to him either as uh, what Mick or uh, Mick Foley or Cactus Jack, I guess. And then of course the the Middle and crazed fucking uh, Terry Funk man. What are you going to do, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> what are you going to do? I've heard so many stories of people like photographers who were ringside when Terry Funk was wrestling. Guys who knew Terry. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're next to ringside with him, and they're like, fuck, I think he's going to kill me. This is a friend of mine. Yeah. So apparently, Terry, when he goes in the ring, goes full in. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, yeah. So. and yes. I just I love stories like
1: that. Oh, I do, too. Yeah, yeah. I do, too. And, uh, you know, the thing about it was, now, I do know this, and this was about 95. Uh, the uh, You mentioned that moonsault. The, uh, he'd done a moonsault in Knoxville at the Civic Coliseum. Him and Bullet Bob, Cornette had brought, uh, one of the greatest heel interviews I ever heard was, was, uh, one of Terry Funk's, of course, uh, cutting a promo on Bullet Bob, and I won't, 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 do it right now. I'll save it for another time. But, uh, fuck, at the end of the match, we had to do, we got to do a pull apart. You know, everyone went to the ring and heels and face and all that. But at the end of the conclusion, one of the key, the clues was, you know, they going to go through the match, whatever. But Funk got out of the ring and fucking started throwing chairs. Just started throwing fucking chairs, and boy, was covered these fucking chairs. And then Terry Funk did the fucking moonsault onto the fucking chairs, and like, said, he's probably fifty years old, man. Yeah. You know, then and like, holy shit! But after the moonsault, that was the key, you know, because he's covered in chairs. Go, 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 do the pull apart. But uh yeah. It was fucking awesome, man, to see him perform. But uh, anyway, so number three was Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk in the uh, Bob wire exploding board matches from the king of the fucking death matches. And that's going to take us to number two, Jeremy. Do you want to introduce or do you want me yeah, to? Yeah,
0: no, I'll go ahead and introduce this one okay. because, you know, I, I say, I've said about a few of these matches that they were legendary. This one truly is because only... Only one person recorded it, and hardly anybody's seen it, and there's not really any place to get it. Uh, The Last Battle of Atlanta, Last Man Standing, 1983, between Buzz Sawyer and wildfire Tommy Rich.
1: Man, someone say something about juicing out there? Oh, (laughs) goddamn. Yeah.
0: Um, You see, a lot of people these days don't remember Buzz Sawyer, I have to assume. Yeah. But he was kind of a badass. He had an awesome, awesome uh, uh, power slam. Yeah. And, yeah. um, these, you know, I've only ever seen still matches and third party accounts of this, <clears throat> but it was apparently one of the most brutal things ever done in pro wrestling in America. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bobby, what, what do you know about it? Because like I well, said, everything I've got is legendary, you know, yeah, like the Lords the... of the ring
1: status. The things I remember, first of all, I thought it was earlier than that until you told me the date. So you did. I was like, yeah, it was 1983, rather. Uh, but, yeah, I was thinking it was like 80, 81, just because they had such a big feud down there with uh, Georgia uh, Championship Wrestling with, with uh, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and, and Tommy Wildfire Rich. And Rich was just such a baby face. But uh, Mad Dog, from my understanding, I did, never met him, but I understand, you know, everyone has – their own things to say about him. I understood he worked really, really hard and stiff with people. But but Tommy, according to all of his accounts, you know, he just took care of him You know, so he basically went out there. I think they worked snug. Don't get me wrong. But uh, man, they went out there, and I think Jeremy and I could be. I I, I want to say it was two years ago. Someone released that on a network. Now whether it's still on it or not, I do not know. But someone, it had no. You said one person recorded it. They did, I want to say I watched it two summers ago because um, that's when I was still on Facebook, and someone posted something, I swear I think it was on network. Man, uh, I was sober at times, so I don't know. <laughs> that will be my <laughs> excuse, but I know at one time it was floating around. Now, whether it's still out there or not or if it's still on network or how they do that, someone with more knowledge can find that and, and, and go look it up because I'm sure it is uh, because I saw it recently. With that said, you know, it's one of those things that's just legendary. Like you said, man, I just know they had that big, big feud. And of course, younger, I didn't see it live, of course, or anything like that. Just pictures through years and stuff. And you're like, my God, that's a lot of fucking blood. You know, it's just one of those things. It's just a bloodbath in there. And, um, that's why it's number two. It's, it's legendary. Um, it's, it's at a time when something like that was kind of unheard of because, you know, even before War Games, we mentioned with 87, you got these guys in, in a fucking cage. It's the last battle of Atlanta. You got your, your asshole heel prick, you know, being being what he is, asshole heel, uh, to the all-American good boy, you know, all-American blonde hair, blue-eyed, handsome, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, movie-style looks or whatever boy looks of uh, buzz looking like a grown man that he fucking was and tommy you know still young and and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed if you will and it just set up the perfect fucking you know scenario and that was in the uh omni in atlanta if i'm not mistaken so uh, i i think it's pretty much packed house sold out and all that but nonetheless it's number two on our list of the the bloodiest matches of all time man i think it's and I think we could have said before we go into number one, I think we talked about this, Jeremy. Any of these three uh, could have been the top number one before we get to number one. Is that correct? They're kind interchangeable, but we kind of we did it our method and we put the last battle of Atlanta as number two for a reason. I'm going to let you introduce number one and also with that, why why that's. We went with the other two as being three and number two, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, sure.
0: Well, yeah. and, and right before we do that, I do want to tell people, you brought up Hustler Rip Rogers a few yes. a few counts ago. You can find him on Twitter. He's at Hustler2754. If you want to see a guy with a lot of insight into pro wrestling, follow him on Twitter. I, I love reading his tweets because it's just so in-depth, so thoughtful, and, and just so much insight. <clears throat> but with that being said, we go to number 1, the Great Muda versus Hiroshi Hase in 1992. Yes, <clears throat> there is a reason that this is number 1 and the others aren't, and it's because the Muda scale of blood <laughs> loss was based on this particular match. And that is a scale where the amount of blood in a match is compared to how much blood Muda lost in this match. The Great Muda comes out with a uh, his face is painted red. Within a few minutes, the paint comes off. Within a few minutes after that, his face is red again, but this time it's blood. And it it is on him, it's on uh, Hase, it is everywhere in this match. Um, Muto was a great wrestler. Hiroshi Hase was a pretty solid guy himself. They put on a great match while covered in blood, and I will never understand how guys in this match, Eddie versus JBL, once you are that slick with blood and sweat, how do you even try to keep a hold of each other?
1: Yeah, I don't, man, it's hard enough sometimes in a sweat, like I said uh, last week about me and Bobby Fulton, being out there in 100-fucking-degree weather and outdoor show and sweating and working. You just just adapt, you learn, you do it, you have to. Uh, With that said, I was going to say, Back up here a second. When you said the mood of scale, I, that's why earlier when we had number seven was, or excuse me, number eight was Eddie Guerrero in the GBO match. That's why that match could have been a lot higher, folks. But we went with this match being number one for that particular reason. The thing about Hase, I do is he, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he invented it, but he was the first one to do it, and he showed Dean Malenko and told Dean he could do it, and Dean showed me he had that Northern Light suplex. I know it has nothing to do with blood, but i got to, you know, give props profits props to do. From my understanding, he's the one that came up with the Northern Light suplex. With that said, I wasn't familiar with this match until it was sent to me, and then, um, which I appreciate that, and then also several of the lists I kept getting all contained this match. And, uh, man, I'm going to tell you. I enjoyed the match. It's not just because it's a bloodbath uh, with, with Muda's, I, I, you know, like you said, we've done it, he started off with a red face, it, it got clear, the face paint was gone, and then boom, it's blood red. I enjoyed the actual match before the blood and with the blood. So, I would give us a fucking high rating match without blood, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So I think that was a solid, solid uh top ten with number one being, you know, the great Muda versus Hase from nineteen ninety two. Man, that's a, a fucking crimson mask, as you say. Yes, is that, that right? was absolutely
0: yeah. a crimson mask. So, yeah, this was yeah, that's the thing, is this is a great wrestling match. Yeah. Where they got bloody. Um, you know, there's a couple matches on here where they are bloody matches where they did some wrestling You know, even uh, Magnum and Blanchard, that was mostly just a brawl with them poking each other with sticks and shit. This was a good (laughs) wrestling match with a lot of bloodshed. Um, I do believe, Bobby, if you do go look for this, all the commentary tracks are in Japanese, though. Okay. I do believe that. I
1: watched it, and I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Um, Hey, maybe we should do our own commentary tracks and sell DVDs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that worked probably you got a great voice for that but you know something man, i just fucking thought of something you know who the fuck we left someone off this fucking list of bloodiest matches man fuck you know who we left off oh god man seriously are you thinking who i'm thinking or well it I'm, can only
0: it can only be one person it's got to be uh bruiser brody right
1: that's exactly how the fuck did we get through 10 matches and not mention fucking at least have one bruiser brody match Fuck Well what the fuck I'm happy if our top ten, let me say that, but god damn it <laughs> How do we do that? Oh fuck, I don't know man. I don't know. Fuck. You was talking about doing voiceovers and my mind just drifted and I was like, fuck man. We had ten of the bloodiest matches of all time on our top ten bloodiest matches episode twenty on a Bobby Blaze fucking podcast. Bell to bell point and we didn't have a fucking Bruiser Brody match listed. Oh, Jeremy, I gotta get out of here,
0: man. I'm kinda of, I'm kind of embarrassed now.
1: <laughs> oh fuck, I'm blood red laughing and cheeks swelling up, my fucking eyes were squinting. All right, I'm like, what all right. the fuck?
0: Well, you know what, we've got all of October shows are planned. So I think maybe when we come back in November.
1: I think we'll, uh, we'll address this. Maybe. We'll see. I'm sure one of the fans out there will have something to fucking say.
0: I'm sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, with
0: with that said, Bobby, you got anything you want to close with besides just.
1: Uh, hit us up at the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast on Twitter or hit Jeremy up at the Geekish cast. Or myself at Bobby Blaze seven forty four on Twitter. Find a fucking Facebook page, like us, share it, do whatever, buy a fucking book, and I'm just going out of here embarrassed, man, that we left the Bru- Bruiser Brody match off this list, man. I'm I'm out of here. Peace out, my friend. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well shit, now
0: I feel fucking stupid. Um all right, everybody for Bobby Blaze and myself, Jeremy Vilm. Bobby, did you hear that? What's that, man? Okay. Nothing. I just Thought I heard somebody in the room with us. Uh, but for Bobby Blaze and myself, Jeremy Vilmer, bye bye everybody. I don't want to
2: scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they tell you he's still out there, some sort of demented creature surviving in the wilderness, full grown by now, stalking, stealing what he needs, living off wild animals and vegetation. Some folks claim they've even seen him, right in this area. The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claims she saw him disappeared two months later. Vanished. Blood was everywhere. No one knows what happened to her. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. And he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. by now I guess you all know we're the first to return here five years five long years he's been dormant and he's hungry Jason's out there watching always on the prowl for intruders waiting to kill devour.